So we know how true that is. Our kids are little. We blink our eyes a couple times. They're in school. Blink our eyes again. They're in high school. They're graduating. They're getting married. They grow up so fast, so fast. So we're talking about parenting in this series and what your children need from you. We're going to begin in Psalm 127, Psalm chapter 127, and um, you know, as Mike was up here singing, I thought about his wife. His wife uh, um, has written a book, Selena Smith has written a book uh, that she sent to a publishing company, and that book has been published. It is a book for children on the topic of inappropriate touch, and it's a excellent, excellent book. It's out there in our massive bookstore, our huge, spacious bookstore. Amen? That was funny right there, because <laughs> it's actually very tiny, but we have vision for a bigger one. So, so go back, go out there and, and pick that book up, you uh, parents who have small children, and go through that book with them. Uh, the company that published this book uh, only publishes, I believe, about 4% of the books that are sent into them. So that means they turn down 96% of the books that come in. So that tells you how good her book is. And I would just urge you to get that book and go over it, uh, uh, go through it many times with your children. Um, also, Barbara Nelson has written a book on parenting. And I believe it's also out there in the bookstore. And uh, it's excellent. I've read it. It's, um, you could read it this afternoon, but it's a very profound book. It has excellent principles in it. And I would encourage you to get those books on parenting. Let's read Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. A pilgrim song of Solomon. So Solomon wrote this uh, particular psalm. And we know that Solomon was what kind of man? A very what? Wise man. So if he was wise, it would do us well to hear this word. If God doesn't build the house, if God doesn't build the home, if God doesn't build the church, the builders who do build it are only building shacks. Love the way the, the um, message just puts it so straight. If God doesn't guard the city, if God doesn't guard the house, if God doesn't guard the home, if God doesn't guard the church, if God doesn't guard your heart, then whatever you have put out there to guard those things may as well take a nap. The night watchman might as well nap. Verse 2, it is useless to rise early. Amen to that. Amen. Glory to God for that. <laughs> I think there's more, though. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he, God, enjoys giving rest to those he loves? This is a word of the Lord to us about the very time we are living in. If you are not very careful with all that is being written in the newspaper, with all that is being written in magazines and coming on your television, you can get very discouraged about what you're hearing. And what the Lord is reminding us of in verse 2 is that if we are His children, we ought not worry. 
We ought to trust Him. There is a lengthy passage of Scripture. It's eight or ten verses. In Matthew 6, and he's very explicit. He says, if you are my children, if you have received me as your personal Savior into your life, do not worry where you will get clothes. Do not worry where you will get food. Do not worry about these things like shelter and the basic needs of your life. He said, put me first and I will add all of these things to your life. So the word of the Lord is here to us today. Hear it. Hear this. No matter what the world is saying, we need to remember that God is our provider. God is our provider. Not the person who writes your check. And thank God for that person. And thank God for your job. But ladies and gentlemen, behind him, behind her, whoever pays you, is God taking care of you. God is going to take care of you. Let that rest in your heart. And don't worry, because worry, and look, I worry, (laughs) okay? I mean, I'm up here preaching, don't worry. I worry too. We all have that in our life. But what I'm saying is when we worry, we need to stop. We need to catch ourselves. We need to whisper a prayer and say, God, help me trust you. You're my provider. You're my provider. Amen, amen? And you say, well, Pastor, you've said that a lot lately, and we need to be reminded about that a lot, especially in these days we're living in. He says he enjoys giving rest to those he loves. That doesn't mean he enjoys uh, creating a situation where you don't work. Work is a good thing. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't. And I love Bojangles, don't you? And And so we know work is a good thing, But God says, while you're working, remember, I'm putting that breath in your body. I'm causing your heart to beat. I'm the one enabling you to work. I'm your provider. Trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him. No matter what is being said around you, trust him. Amen, amen. Verse 3. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? I know some of you are thinking, no, I don't see that. Don't you see that, God, that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. Then he gives us that metaphor in verse 4. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed you, or oh, how blessed are you, parents, with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you you'll sweep them right off your doorstep. When you raise good, godly children, and we're going to talk about that today, they become your comrades in battle against evil and the enemy and those things that are against God. Amen, amen. Now, the seven basic needs of a child that I'm going to give you in this series are really seven basic needs that you all have, every one of you, and God, our Father, meets those needs in us every day. So you're receiving this blessing from your Heavenly Father, and we need to give this to our children. Not only are these seven basic needs something that you need from your Heavenly Father and something that your children need from you, but I'm going to tell you that everybody in your life needs these things from you. 
I want to tell you husbands that your wife needs these things from you. I want to tell your, you wives that your husband needs these things from you. Um, the people you go to church with need these seven things from you. It's very important how we treat one another. See, the world out there is watching us. And they're not really impressed that much with our preaching or with our singing or with our videos and our lighting and all of our sound and all of that. That really isn't what they're looking at. Now, they look at that, but what they're looking at is how we treat each other. Jesus said it. He said, they're going to know you follow me. They're going to know you're my disciples when they see the what? Love. The love. That is what convinces the world that Christ is right and Christ is the right way. So the seven things I'm going to give you uh, today, I'll give you one. And over the next two Sundays, I'll be giving you four more. <clears throat> These things are things that we need to give one another so the world will see Jesus in us. Number one, we talked about it last week. Kids, your children, need compassion from you. And we talked about three ways that you express compassion is affirmation. They need to hear you say that you love them. They need to hear you say that they are precious to you. They need to hear you say how valuable they are and how they're a priority in your life. They need to hear you speak it. And we talked about those who have a hard time saying those kind of things. And then we encouraged you to write them or find a card that says how you feel. We, we talked all about that, so listen to that sermon. You can go online and listen to that sermon from last week. The second way you show compassion is through affection, touching them, playing with them, wrestling with them, patting them on the back, uh, just touching them. Just When you walk by your child, just reach out and touch them. It is affection, and that helps them feel the love. They don't only need to be told their love, they need to feel it. And then number uh, three is attention. Um, and the way we show a child our attention is by um, listening, listening to them. And I know sometimes when they're talking to us, it makes no sense, does it? But I have adults in my life like that. And so I give them respect, and we ought to give our children respect, even when they're talking about things we don't um, relate to or even know what they're saying or asking us about. Just don't, don't glance away from a computer screen every two or three seconds and keep going, uh-huh, sure, faking your listening. Listen to them. Look at them. When you look a child in the eye, when a child is talking to you, and you look them in the eye, you're saying to them, you're a priority in my life. You're saying to them, you are valuable. You're saying to them, you're precious to me. So listen to your children. Okay, so we know everybody needs unconditional love, especially our children. Now, there is a great gospel group that used to exist called the Beatles. Y'all remember them? And they would sing a song called, All You Need Is Na 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 Na. Let's sing a little bit of that. You want to sing a little bit of that? All you need is love. Y'all a bunch of heathens. So go out today and tell everybody we were singing Beatles songs during praise and worship. They already think we're crazy anyway. <laughs> the only thing wrong with the Beatles song uh, is that uh, it wasn't true. It's not true. You need love. But it's not all you need. 
Kids need love, but it's not all they need. And that's what we're going to talk about today. People think if I just love my kids, they'll turn out right. Not necessarily. Just because you love them doesn't mean they're going to develop emotionally and uh, mentally and physically and especially spiritually. So what we want to talk about today is another thing they need. And what they need is counsel. They need counsel from you. Your children need counsel. They need direction from you. It is not in your child to know the way he should go. They need counsel. They need advice. Even when they roll their eyes at your advice, they still need it. They need wisdom. And you might be sitting here today and go, well, I mean, what can my mom and dad tell me? I'm already further in school than they ever were. My mom and dad never went to college. I went to college. I'm going to college. I, I can't learn anything from my mom and daddy. I I got a degree or I got a high school education. Let me tell you something, smarty britches. Um, it's like if my mom and dad, uh, let's say that I was going on a vacation with my mom and dad, but they were able to leave a couple of days before me. So let's say we're headed to Texas to see the Redskins beat the Cowboys. Is that, is that a good example right there? Oh, oh calm down. It's a riot. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to Dallas, and um, we're on our way there, and, uh, or, or my mom and dad, they left a couple days early, so they call back on the morning we're leaving, and they say, hey, listen, uh, the interstate is closed for construction at such and such an exit, so if you'll get off at such and such an exit, you can go right around that, and it'll be a lot easier for you. And then maybe they say, hey, listen, the gas is really cheap at exit so-and-so, so you can save some money on your gas. And then they say, oh, and by the way, at exit so-and-so, there's a great restaurant right there. The food was great, good service. You're going to love that. See, it isn't that they're uh, more educated than you. They're just a little further down the road. Amen, amen. So I don't want to hear about your education. I don't want to hear about your degree, and I don't want to hear about what you got that mom and daddy haven't got. There's one thing mom and daddy got that you don't have yet, and that's experience. They're a little further down the road. Now, if you give them trouble, I will come to your house. Bring some boys with me that don't know Jesus yet, all right? We'll fix your situation. Study after study has shown that one of the primary common denominators found in successful children, and I mean uh, success from the world's viewpoint and success from the church's viewpoint, the Bible's viewpoint, is that common denominator is that those children grew up um, to be successful adults because they had instilled in them a stable value system. And that stable value system came from their good, godly parents. Study after study after study. The Bible talks about it. The Bible even gives examples of children who were brought up by godly parents, but those godly parents didn't take time to instill that in their children. And so their children uh, grew up not with that spiritual development in their life. How many of you know that you can be so busy doing ministry and so busy trying to save the church that you don't even save your own house? Can I preach on that? Amen, amen. So, so 
kids who are not taught right from wrong by their parents have a better chance of flaming out in life. Kids who are taught a biblical value of right and wrong have a far better chance of being successful spiritually, emotionally, financially, and in every other way. Study after study, even secular studies, prove this. Have you ever heard somebody say this? It really doesn't matter what anybody believes as long as they're sincere. Well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Are you kidding me? But I've heard that said. You can be sincerely wrong. I'll tell you what, he is so sincere. Yeah, but is he right? Is he right? You say, well, well, really, does it make a big difference what we believe? Well, let me give you an illustration. We're living in a time right now where Christianity says to do what to your enemies? Love your enemies. We're living in a time when some other religions are saying, kill them. So, so what you believe matters. It matters. Let me give you some statistics. The United States has the highest rates of teenage pregnancy and births in the Western industrialized world. Teen pregnancy costs the United States at least $7 billion every year. Just under one-third of all girls in the United States will get pregnant in their teenage years. Every year, about 750,000 teenagers will get pregnant. Depending on the state, teenage births are very different. In Nevada, they have the highest rate. I'm stunned. Legalized prostitution. Um, uh, Reno is there. And, and uh, what's the other place? Vegas. I was just going to see if y'all knew. Yeah, y'all know, don't you? No, I just went brain freeze. Vegas, uh, you know, and Nevada is one of the most liberal and 113 out of every 1,000 teenagers will get pregnant, teenage girls. Boys don't get pregnant. Um, <laughs> North Dakota has the lowest, 42 out of 1,000. Unmarried teenagers have children, having children, unmarried teenagers having children account for 24% of all unmarried expectant mothers. More than two-thirds of all teenagers who become pregnant will not graduate from high school. Billions of dollars are spent every year taking care of teenage mothers and their children, and they are more likely, those teenage mothers and their children are more likely to live in a poverty bracket than other teenagers. On the flip side, millions of dollars are spent in prevention programs. A lot of those programs we would not approve of in this church. But your tax money goes to that. And so they say, you know, we don't need prayer in school. We don't need the Bible in school. And, and this, is the, this is the result of a society that says to us multiple times a day that a solid value system based on the Word of God really doesn't make any difference. Listen to me. Yes, it does. Don't listen to the world. Read your Bible. Now, y'all know that TV show 2020. That's ABC News, does a, does a show called 2020. That is a liberal, very liberal, they would say they're not, but obviously they are, a very liberal uh, news organization. But they, 
did a study on the explosion of juvenile crime in America. And this was their conclusion. It's going to sound like a preacher said this. But it is from a secular, liberal news organization. So listen to what they came up with. The rapid rising rate of sociopathic juvenile behavior is due primarily to declining moral values. Now to that I would like to say, duh! <laughs> Great! I mean they do all this study, spend all these millions of dollars doing this study and come out with something that I could have shown them in the Bible. Saved them all that money. They go on, the moral vacuum these children grow up in has resulted in, this, in teenagers today having a loss of concern for others. Isn't that the truth? I see it all around me. They're motivated by a desire to please themselves through instant gratification regardless of who gets hurt. These are the kinds of children we're raising. And I'm going to tell you something. It is not the children's fault. We're, we're the grown folks. We're the ones who are supposed to be leading them and teaching them and instilling values in them. i tell you what's happening. We're reaping what we've sown, ladies and gentlemen. We are reaping what we've sown. You can go ahead and clap. Let me go ahead. <clears throat> We're going to close this sermon, which means nothing, by looking at Deuteronomy 6 and 7. You guys want it straight today? All right, here it comes. Deuteronomy 6 and 7. You must teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you are at home or out for a walk at bedtime or the first thing in the morning. Now, I noticed five things in this verse very quickly. Number one is the first word. Say it. You, which means me. You must teach the commandments. Now I'm about to mess up some of your beliefs. Not the government. That's not their job. That's not their responsibility. I'll be honest with you. I do wish and have for many years that our government would take more of a lead in backing up what this nation was built on. But don't blame the misbehavior of your kids and the, and the rebellion of your kids on the government. Hey, listen, I'm going to mess you up some more. It isn't the school's job. It isn't the school's job. That was a bunch of teachers right there going, glory to God. We, you know what blows my mind? We talk about they have taken prayer out of school. They have taken the Bible out of school. And I'm just upset. And if you'll bring me a petition, I will sign it. I wish we got half as upset about the fact that we're not even praying in the house. We're not praying in our house. We're not praying in our home. Nobody's going to bother you there for praying. You know what we pray in our house? God's good. God's great. Let's thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us one day of bread. Amen. Pass the chicken. Daddy gets the big pigs. We are so upset about them kicking God out of the school. Have we kicked him out of the home? I think really that's where we need to start. Can I ask you something? How much prayer is going on in your house? 
When are you calling the kids together and saying, Daddy's going to lead us in prayer? Daddy's going to read from the Word of God? Come on, man. Don't be fussing at the schools. Don't be raging. It's so easy to point fingers at everybody else. Let's get our house in order. Let's get our house in order. Amen, amen. Now, this is for the first service and third service. I know y'all got it together. I understand that. God's talking about parents, not social programs. When he says teach these commandments, not government, not school, not social programs. It is the parent's duty, the parent's duty. I'm going to go a step further. It isn't the church youth group ministry that is to be the primary teacher of your children about God. Y'all love me? You know what a lot of us are doing? We're letting Pastor Jared, Josh, and we're letting our Impact Girls Club and Royal Rangers, and I'm going to tell you something, I believe in all those ministries. Don't you dare go out of here saying, well, the church isn't about kids. We, dedica- we dedicate more square footage to children's ministry than any other ministry in this church. Amen, amen. We dedicate more square footage, and we dedicate more money to seeing that our children are reached for Jesus. There are people right over there in preschool right now. There are people in the nursery. Bless them, Jesus. God bless them. There are people in kids' church out there in the impact building. I'm telling you right now, we understand our role. We understand our responsibility. We're not perfect at it, and we're always improving, and we're always studying about how we can get better at reaching children. But I'm going to tell you something. It is not Jared Grantham's job or any of our other youth leaders, no rule range, to instill those values in your children. They need to hear it from your mouth as a mom and a daddy. They need to hear it from your mouth. They need to hear you proclaim the word of God. Don't forget, uh, men and ladies, you are prophets in your house. What did the prophet do? He spoke the word of God to the people. You're to be a prophet, speak the word of God to your family. You're to be a priest. What did the priest do? He prayed to God about the people. You're to be a person of prayer. Y'all have heard me preach all this before. I'm going to tell you something. When you're dead and gone, your children ought to remember your prayers. They ought to remember your Bible studies. They ought to remember how you instilled in them the things of God. And the people said, so it says, you must do this. Then look at the second word, you what? Must, not optional. Not optional. God isn't saying, hey parents, I just thought of something real cool. Think about this. No. God is saying, do this. It is a command. It is a command to uh, teach this and teach these uh, principles to your children. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic here today, but I want to tell you that you're going to stand before God one day. And you're going to answer for what you taught your children. So am I. So am I. Third thing. You must, what? Teach these commandments. Teach these commandments. God didn't give us 10 suggestions. He gave us 10 commandments. I love what Jesus said in John 6, 63. He said, these words have I spoken unto you. These words I have spoken unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now I want you to hear me right here. When you as a parent accept your role and accept your calling as a minister in your home, Pastor Farrell is not their first pastor. You're their first pastor. 
Pastor Farrell is secondary. Pastor Farrell is the pastor of the church. You're their primary pastor. Listen to me now. When you teach them math, that's great. When you teach geography, wonderful. You teach sociology, wonderful. You teach um, all that other stuff you teach. (laughs) Uh, All that's great. But when you teach the Bible, something supernatural happens. Something supernatural happens. Listen to me, Mom and Daddy. And I know sometimes Daddy's abdicated, and sometimes Daddy and Mama have vacated and aren't doing it. And I know some of you grandmas and grandpas out there, you're the ones that are having to do it. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Listen. When you speak the Word of God to your children, they can roll their eyes. They act like they're not listening to you. They act like it's boring. They act like they don't want to hear it. But when you speak the word of God to them, something supernatural happens. Spirit is spoken into them. Life is spoken into them. The Bible says the word of God will not go out and return void. You give those babies the word of God. Teach them the commandments of God. And then he says in verse 4, You must teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you are where? At home. At home. I'm telling you, you men need to go home and put a steeple on top of your house. I know it'll look weird, but when you drive up in the driveway, you'll remember, I'm a pastor. I'm a spiritual leader. Before I'm all other things, I'm a spiritual leader in my house. Not, Not church, but the home. Not school, but the home. Not social programs, but the home. Not the government, but the home. The best place, the most ideal place to teach the Word of God, stay with me, and demonstrate it is in the home. Because children do not do what you say. They do what you do. Teach it and walk it. Number five, finally, in closing. You must teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you are at home or when out for a walk at bedtime, first thing in the morning. This means every chance you get. Every chance you get. Every time you're with your child alone, or every time maybe you're in the car, you're on the way to school in the morning. I've preached some good sermons on the way to school. I actually did a little laying on of hands sometimes. <laughs> did it suddenly, too. Um, so, so look for those times. You know, my boys are grown, but I pray and I say, God, just create moments with me and my boys, when their spirit is open and their heart is open. And then God give me the words to say, to pour in them, because i got to tell you all something. Before I'm your pastor, I'm their pastor. Ask God for those moments. Ask God as a mom and a dad, Lord, just create times. And it might not be but two or three minutes, but be ready and say to them, how valuable God is in your life. Give them your testimony of what God's done for you. Instill this in the children. Put it in the children. Um, See, you're teaching anyway. You're always teaching the children something. You say, well, I just go home and look at TV, and you're teaching them something. 
You see, they're going to think whatever you think is funny, they're going to think it's funny. Whatever you laugh at, they're going to laugh at. And sometimes I think we laugh at stuff that makes Jesus cry. And see, when your child sees you affirming something, sees you liking something, then they go, well, that's okay for me to like that. So you're always teaching. You're always teaching. Those little eyes, they watch you 24 hours a day. They're watching. I mean, you, you can say something you don't even know they said it, and then all this, do you even know they heard you? And then after a while, you hear them saying just exactly what you said. You go, oh, whoa, whoa, time out. Where'd you, who'd you hear say that? You, you know? As a society, we're reaping what we've sown. The problem today is kids spend more time with passive babysitters and television and video games than they do with their own parents. Cornell University hooked up wireless microphones to a thousand fathers and studied them for several weeks and discovered that the average father in that group spent an actual um, um, deep communication deep conversation with their child, 37 seconds a day. 37 seconds a day. You cannot parent in your spare time. You cannot raise godly children in your spare time. Here's what we do. We have babies. We celebrate, take pictures. And then we leave them with somebody else. And don't, don't guys, if you have to work outside the home, I, I'm not... I'm just saying you you got to set some priorities in your life. you got to make sure. And I'm not here to, to rag on anybody or make anybody feel bad. But, but you're in a season of your life. Those of you who have those little ones and their hearts are real tender and, and they're easily to mold right now, i got to tell you something, man. Listen, do without some stuff right now to make sure you're molding those little hearts. You're molding those tender little hearts to follow Jesus. And if you work outside the home and you're forced to work outside the home to put food on the table, listen, I'm not, I'm not judging you on that, but I'm going to tell you something. When you come home at the end of the day, just have something left for them. And turn that television off and, and say, everybody come, let's talk. Let's talk about our day. And, and then have some individual time with them and say, what are you going through? What, what's going on in your life? Because a lot of times kids are going through hellacious things at school. And they might even be going through something with an adult that you don't know about. And if you don't ever spend any time with them and talk to them, they can't tell you about it. So I'm telling you right now, listen to your children. Spend time with your children. We often bring children in the world and then we go on about other goals that become more important to us and we try to do this parenting thing on the side. If you have children, God's called you to be a parent. you got a calling. God's called you. You say, well, I'm called to be. Aren't you called to be a pastor? I sure am. And I'm called to be a daddy first. And you're called to be a parent. And when you blow it in this area, then you've blown it in one of the main areas of your life. And look, when they're little and they're small and they're growing up, you know, and they're still at home, see, that's a season of life right there. It's not going to always be like that. They're going to go one day. They're going to grow up and they're going to go and leave you. But remember the little theme that's under the title of our sermon? It's never too late to start shaping your kids. 
My boys are grown, but they, I still get to tell them things. They still ask me things. They still care about my opinion. I love that. And, and if they don't care about it, I, I like it when they fake it and act like they care about it. Amen? And I get to pour into my boy's life. But see, I'm not at that season I was when they were tender. Can I, can I just confess something right here? I, I, didn't, I, I messed up during that time. I look out here and see some of you guys that got them little ones. I got to tell you something. I, I messed up during that time. I, I never heard preaching on parenting when I was growing up. I, when I, I thought I was a good daddy and I watched a James Dobson DVD or a James Dobson, James Dobson VHS. And when I watched that, man, I got to tell you something. I cried for days because I realized I hadn't been being a good daddy. I didn't ever hear a sermon like this right here. I grew up in a generation where you, where you didn't even, there wasn't any preaching on parenting. And I'm telling you right now, hear the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord today. You are in a season of life. When you decide to conceive, at that very moment, you make a commitment that you're going to show that child compassion and you're going to give them counsel. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. In the power of the resurrection, take this same word that has been declared here today and brand it upon our hearts. Don't let us walk out of here and forget this today. God, I pray you brand it in our hearts. And it all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. So my question to this congregation today is, is there anyone here who isn't saved? Is there anyone here who hasn't accepted Christ? Because you can't even practice these things that I've been preaching until you know Christ as your personal Savior. So open your heart to Him now and just pray something like this. Just say, dear Jesus, I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good dad. But pastor has reminded me that I can't do that unless I have you in my heart. And Lord, I'm sorry, I've been running from you and making excuses, but Lord, I am not going to run anymore. I need you. You died on the cross, you rose from the dead for me. I want to turn from my own way today, and I want to turn to you. Lord Jesus, for the sake of my children, for the sake of my children, I open the door of my heart and I ask you to save my soul today. Come into my life for the sake of my children. Yes, for my sake, God, but for the sake of my children and generations to come. Because what I teach my children, they will teach their children. And the decision I make to accept you today will affect generations to come. Thank you, Father. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for coming into my heart. Would you bow your head and just close your eyes? If you prayed that today, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just slip it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now everybody look at me. Guys, listen. We change the world. We, you, we got a lot of complaints about the world and how things are going in the world. What can I, you say, what can I do? What can, i tell you what you can do. Bring your child up to love God. Bring your child up to love God. And that's your contribution to changing this world from what it is today. And the people said, hey, if you're a first-timer, pick up your gift right back there. Guys, don't forget to sign up for things. Also, don't forget to fill out that... Uh, 
survey and turn that in. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.